Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, February 5th, 2023, called Jesus Revealed by the Spirit, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Well, God's grace to you in Christ. There's an outline if you'd like to follow along. We're in a series here in the season of Epiphany. There's our symbol of Epiphany up here, the light, the star, star that led the wise men. And the season of Epiphany is about revealing Jesus. It's about revealing that light, Epiphany, light bringer. And so uh, what are, and, and we, have a, we have assigned texts and readings to us in our faith tradition. So what do these texts reveal? That's really the idea. What's it revealing about Christ? And we also want to, um, I want to tag on to Pastor uh, Simmons' sermon from last week, where it was also now beginning to talk about, and then how is Christ revealed in and through us also. So uh, once again, we'll see Christ revealed here, and this one is by the Holy Spirit, but then also how is Christ revealed, not just to us, but, but in us. So um, the Corinthians passage is the one I want to look at with you uh, in more detail, and it's in three parts. So the, um, there, there are verses one through five, and then six through the next paragraph. Boy, my eyeballs. Six through ten, and then the third paragraph. Those three things. I hope it, I hope it helps give you some insight and so forth into it. Um, but I can't go by without talking about salt and light for just a minute. Because Jesus, as he refers to salt and light, many of you are probably very familiar with him referencing that. You are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world, right? But salt does no good if it stays in the salt shaker or if it loses its saltiness, which I've never heard of, by the way, which is interesting. Um, so we have to kind of explore what Jesus means there. So another day, another time. Um, but the light of the world, where, and we don't, we don't hide that light, let that light shine. What's so neat about this is it ties into this season because salt and light are revealing things. They reveal things. And so I, this is about where Jesus is saying, I want to be revealed through you. I want to be revealed through you. Jesus is the light of the world. He says, we don't hide our light. So light reveals things, doesn't it? In fact, John even is real honest with us, and he says, sometimes we don't like the light very well because it reveals too much. It reveals so clearly, so clearly, and the darkness can't stand against it. So that can be challenging for us at times. But the other one with salt is interesting to me too because salt reveals. You know, you don't go into the salt, I don't know, unless you're from a Star Trek episode, you don't go in and take like a big scoop of salt and just eat it. I mean, salt reveals other things. It's meant to reveal. And it's meant to season, isn't it? And preserve, we can talk about that. That's another sermon. But the, the idea of salt revealing. Because salt isn't revealing really itself. It's revealing the flavors and the thing it touches, doesn't it? And it's a be beautiful analogy that Jesus gives us, calling us to be salt. Because you know, a little too much of us is not good. Just like with salt, a little too much of us is too much. And so, again, these themes repeat themselves over and over in various ways. John the Baptist saying, he has to become greater and I have to become less. But Jesus is calling us to reveal those things. And then Paul, that's what I want to move to here. Paul, in this section, um, talking about, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, talking to a church which had been, which struggling. It was struggling with division. 
uh, unrest. Paul had helped uh, launch this ministry and his missionary journeys. And now he wants, to, he wants to give some corrections and some ideas on things. And we can only imagine in this particular passage some of the things they were debating or arguing about and disagreeing. But I will tell you what one of the things I'm sure is. I'm sure that there were people showing up who used big words and very fancy arguments. And they had lots of letters after their name, maybe. And maybe they had a resume a mile and a half long. And maybe they had a marketing team. And maybe they had very complex ways of looking at things. And Paul wants to do a corrective here. You know, uh, point number one, I love going to the Krause's home. Forgive me for, I hope this does. I hope you take this with a compliment that I love it. I I love going over there. Faculty goes over, they invite the church staff. Anytime I say, hey, we've got some guests in town or something, do you mind hosting? They're like, you bet. Before I'm done finishing the sentence, we'd love to do it. And it's really cool because when you come into the Krause home, it's just big open space and great. It's always warm and welcoming. And they have a great sign on the wall that says, fun, not fancy. And I love that. I love that. And you know what? Every time I see that, it reminds me of one of the things I'm hoping we can do here in this church. And, and, it's, and, and it's not so much about fun, not fancy. It's about simple. So if you look at this, here's the outline for you. Look at what Paul says. He says, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony of God. I saw, I read an article about uh, the, the budget that they wanted, want to pass for the U.S. and kind of keep things funded and so forth, and there are ancillary documents and support. Guess how many pages? 12,000. More than 12,000 pages for the, the budget, its rationale, supporting doc, 12,000. You know, that's like war and peace 15 times. I, I don't know. Are, do you want to lay bets on how many people have read that before they pass things that impact our lives? And I, I don't know. Maybe they have teams of interns and people in their office. Okay, praise God. My guess is probably not much. Probably not much. And you know what's funny is there's a methodology in that. I, I, I remember having professors in seminary and college who I think they just wanted to impress me with how many books they could assign me to read. And you know, when I taught confirmation, when I taught high school, even now when I teach confirmation, I tell the kids, I'm going to test you on this stuff, but nothing I ask you will be unimportant. If I teach it to you and ask you to remember it, it's because it matters for your faith. It actually matters. And I wish all my professors in seminary had been there. I had, a guy, I had guys who would, you had thousands and thousands of pages of reading, and then he would test you on the stuff we didn't read just because it was on the reading list. And I just said, what are you trying to prove? How smart I am? How well-read I am? How big my resume is? Man, I love this, because those of you that know biblical history a little bit, it's really cool. Paul could change this argument and stand it on his head. I came to you with more knowledge than any of these others goombas came to you combined. I had more teaching, more training, more letters after my name, My library is bigger, my knowledge is bigger, my understanding of it, my experience of God's grace in my life was personal, immediate, tangible. I have more than any of these other guys. You put them all together and you're listening to them? 
That's what he could have said. But I didn't come with eloquence. I didn't come with a lot of big words. It's just Christ on the cross. Here, and I'm going to tell you something, people of God. This is a big deal. If it's not simple, we're doing it wrong. In fact, one of the great teaching gifts is this. One of the, if, one of the greatest teachers I've had in my life are the people who teach exceedingly complex things to me in a way that I can understand it, in a way that I can get it. And that's what we're about, what we have to be about. If it's all complicated about all these steps and series and all these things you got to do, and here's this list here, column A, column B, column C, and you better get on that. If you haven't checked that off, and if you don't know that, if you haven't gotten that degree, you didn't go to Bible school, you didn't. Run away. Please run away and run to Jesus. Just Jesus. And so I love this that Paul begins this way. You guys are complicating things. You've got people coming into you complicating things. Look at point two. For I resolved to know nothing among you while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, it's funny. When I talk to pastors, church workers, especially those who serve in the church, and I tell them just a couple things. Because when you go to seminary, like I go through eight years of training, right? Undergrad, graduate school, eight years. It can get very complex. And sometimes we, we call the seminary the cemetery because it can kill faith. Not meant, they don't mean to. These are wonderful people and wonderful teachers of the word and so forth. But boy, sometimes it doesn't feel like I knew nothing among you but you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I tell pastors when they come out and they actually hit the field and they've got libraries that you can't believe and they have access to things online and they have been taught and they are loaded for bear and I tell them, would you please just love these people? And would you make the Bible make sense? And would you hold up Jesus all the time? And if you do those things, you're going to be okay. And if we don't, we won't. That's who we have to be. That's who he's given us to be. Now, I don't want this to sound like law, like I'm hammering on you. I think this is gospel. This is so freeing. Instead of giving you a list of things to do, let's just hold up Christ. Let's just hold up Christ and point to him that we might rejoice in that. You know, in the second one, I have nothing but Jesus, right? So the Jews in Jesus' day had enumerated the laws. There were 10. That wasn't enough. Now let's list more. 613. 613 laws. Can you keep track of that? But they were keeping track and keeping score. And so it's so interesting when they come to Jesus, because I often think, wouldn't it, how would it transform our society if people just kind of maybe even just thought about the Ten Commandments once a day? If they just kind of thought about it. You know, let's not take other people's stuff and let's not lie and, you know, let's be faithful and, you know, things like that. And Jesus even reduces it from that, doesn't he? What are the great commandments? Love God, love your neighbor. In fact, if you don't notice that anymore, you should notice that when you walk out. Love God, love others, serve the world. I love that. I see it in front of me all the time. It blesses me. And so it's interesting. And you know what? You can almost reduce those two to one, can't you? To love others as you love yourself. And why does that, why can that actually be the love God above all else? Because you're loving the ones he loves 
the ones made in his image, the ones for whom he gave up everything. When we love them, we love our Savior too, don't we? So, and that's a whole other series of sermons is what does that love look like and how do we do that? But for us to be less and for him to be more. And so I resolved to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it's funny because Paul obviously shared all kinds of stuff with him, didn't he? It almost seems like a contradiction. What do you mean? He talks about marriage. He talks about the roles of men and women. He talks about deacons and elders. He talks about, how, about lawsuits. He talks about unity in the body. He talks about playing favorites. He talks about lawsuits. He talks about a whole gob of things through Jesus Christ. Pointing to Jesus Christ. Do you get me? All pointing to Christ. All lifting Christ up. And so people often ask me this, you know, <clears throat> and I consider it a high compliment. And people are very gracious. And they'll say, boy, Pastor, thanks for making that so clear, that, that really simple teaching about Jesus and, you know, about the gospel and free grace. And they say, you know, I've been here a number of months. When are we going to move away from the milk and go to the meat? Right? I get that comment. And I get it, to be honest. I get it. And I'm convinced this is one of the ways the devil loves to work. Yeah, that Jesus, yeah, that's cool, but really you should be smarter than everybody else. And I tell people, you know, when we get Jesus right, we'll move on. We haven't figured that part out yet, but we want to get Jesus right. And so as we continue to hold up Christ, as we continue to study at his feet, as we continue to do that, what we're longing to do is to find out how Jesus is held up in this world. You know, what we want to do, and I love to say this to people all the time, I tell it to our faculty in our school, I tell it to our team, we want to hold up Christ. We want to make sure, what's the goal here? When people walk into the doors of this building, we're hoping they see Christ in this place. You know what's so cool about that, holding up Christ? Is the great joy of this is that what we discover is that as we hold up Christ, we discover to our amazement that he's the one holding us firmly in his grip. You can't hold up Christ if he ain't holding you. And so he holds us and lifts us up. I want to, I, so that's the first paragraph. That's the first paragraph up through verse 5, 1 through 5. I resolve to know nothing except Jesus Christ him crucified. And why? Because I want this to be grounded not in human wisdom but on the Holy Spirit. Not in human wisdom. You don't take credit. Oh, I learned that. I passed that class. I got that degree. I was summa cum laude. I was whatever. See, I did all of my, I did the whole list. It's going to be built and glory given to God built on the, on the Spirit's power. And there's then the second paragraph. I'm going to do a little aside here because in Paul's day, oh, I'm doing good. You can listen for a little bit. In Paul's day, this wasn't a big thing. It, uh, it, there was a heresy in the church in the first century, late, late in the first century and then the second century called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is a Greek word. It means knowledge. And there was a group of people saying, we have secret knowledge about God. And if you want to know it, you've got to be in our club. You know, you've got to learn the secret handshake and you've got to learn the high sign and you've got to give us money or whatever, right? You can be in the club. And those were the Gnostics. We have secret knowledge about God. And see how holy and righteous and wonderful we are because we know something you don't know. Which sounds like second grade. I know something you don't know. Man, do we, this is a scary thing when you see it in adults. And, and I'm going to make an aside here. Periodically, I talk about this. 
about the difference between secrets and mysteries. And here, let me read it. Because it may seem a little contradictory. Because he talks about this, the secret wisdom of God. Here, check this out. We, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, right? Of this time and age. Or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. How's it be interesting? I'll just explain that. A wisdom that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. And then I love this verse. If you got your Bibles open and you mark, mark this verse. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you get that? The devil would not have killed, would not have, he would have stood in the way of the crucifixion if he knew what it was really about. You get it? If they had known, he was providing his own demise. Didn't know it. But then he quotes scripture. He quotes here, Isaiah, I think it is, isn't it? Isaiah 64. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. So these Gnostic people were going around. See here? See, there's this secret wisdom. This is secret wisdom. Let me talk about this in a minute. Because I have found this over and over. This is like, this, this like kills families, kills institutions, kills churches, secret keeping. I know something you don't. Therefore, I'm more important. And that is not how the secret wisdom of God works. It's Jesus saying, I got something you don't understand, and it's for everybody. But you don't get it. You're going to need to let me teach it to you. But I have something others don't understand, but I want you to have it. Do you see the difference? The one is all about yourself. I want those secrets to me because I'm more important that way, and I'm, I'm cooler, and I'm, you know, I'm on the inside. And that's not what Jesus is all about. The secret wisdom of God is about, this is for all. This is for you. That's why I love to be a place that's transparent. I want to be a place that's transparent. You want to know what we teach about the Bible? You want to know how we spend our money? You want to know how, who's hired and how it goes and what we do? I will tell you more than you want to know. We will tell you. And this is not about... Deep, dark, burdening everyone with deep, dark secrets is being about honest with God. Think about it. Don't you think he already knows? He knows all those secrets that we sometimes keep. And he has gathered us into a family that we might love one another and care for one another, even in those moments. Because trust me, there's not another one here. You think no one else gone through what you're going through? You know nobody gets you? Even if you think no one gets you, you don't think he does? And so this is just an aside on this because this happens in places. I got secrets, I got this, I got this. Here, here's one of the things I love. This is one. Pastor, I got, to, I got, you know, everybody's really mad about you about this. And I go, oh, okay, well, who is it? Oh, I can't tell you. And I go, am I their pastor? Well, yeah. If you can't tell me, we ain't talking. And by the way, I always find out that everyone is usually two people in the parking lot. It's usually what that is is what that means. And so it's about transparency because what we want is everyone accessing the joyful mystery of God. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the depth and the wonder of God's great grace, limitless for you, no strings attached, inexpressible, full of awe and wonder. That's what's so cool about this secret. 
which is God is longing to bring awe and wonder to everyone, to understand, to realize, to experience the depth of his grace and his unlimited love for you. Okay, last point. So I put together some Ikea furniture. God bless you, Scott. I put together some Ikea furniture. Have any of you had this joyful experience? Um, so we, had, we bought three big pieces for the uh, office. The first piece took me one hour and 50 minutes to put together. And I needed to go to confession twice. <laughs> and I'm not even Catholic. Oh, that was hard, man. Because, you know, like the directions are in like Swedish. Or, and they just use pictures. And I don't like directions. I can figure this out. I could figure this out. An hour and 50 minutes later, I had taken it apart twice and almost ruined the thing. You know how long it took me to do the next two? It, the next two took me 40 minutes combined for the next two pieces. So here's my lesson for you. Okay, so here. This is what we speak, Paul says. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Do you get it? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, how can you get the things that come from God's Spirit? And so trying to convince people into the faith in the end is never the... You can't really do it. You can share the reasons. You can share history and call it awesome. But it's the Spirit of God that calls us to himself. It's the Spirit of God that teaches us those truths. Their foolishness to him and can't understand them because they're spiritually understood. I didn't share this in the first sermon, the first service. I said, boy, I didn't quite get that right at 8.30. I think I got an idea here to explain this a little bit better. So the Ikea directions, once I did the thing, then the directions made a little bit more sense. Not much. What I really needed to observe was how that one was put together having gone through the process of putting it together and breaking it down and reassembling it, that was the best lesson I could get. Now, to be honest, if I had, especially with a partner, to have someone with me, if we had looked at the directions and simply carefully, methodically worked through the directions, it had been fine. We got the manual. Got a manual here too. Could have followed those directions. But let me tell you, here's the point. Only God's Holy Spirit make sense of the godly and the holy. But what made the greatest impact was the piece that had been broken and put back together. You want people to see Jesus? Well, see him in you. Not perfect. Not spectacular. Humble, broken, and healed. That's how God's Holy Spirit speaks. Of course it speaks through his word. And most of all, speaks through the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. But those things have spoken into you. And you are made new. And people see a new thing in you by God's grace. Let's glorify him. To him be the glory, now and forever. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.